0: Welcome, welcome to episode five of the First Prez Youth Group Podcast. I'm Gabe Perez, the youth pastor here. This week, we started our Habakkuk series, or Habakkuk, as uh, some are in the habit of doing, myself included. We had the awesome privilege of having a technical difficulty where my lesson notes did not pull up, so... We had a little bit of an abbreviated lesson today, uh, shorter than we normally do, and we also didn't have our extra middle school leader to help out with us, so we all just did one big group, so it was a little bit more chaotic, a little bit all over the place. It was a fun time, though. Overall, we had a lot of fun just kind of hanging out and um, walking through this book. Uh, It was definitely a a good time, Um, and we also just wanted to do a special shout-out to Diana, Uh, She just had a major hip surgery that she went through and wasn't able to come hang out with us tonight. We couldn't figure out um, anyone to FaceTime or record for her uh, while we were here. Internet's just not great, but we did want to send a uh, shout-out to her, uh, let her know that she's in our thoughts and our prayers, that we love her. Uh, Diana, if you're listening, uh, we missed you, uh, we prayed for you, and we just want to let you know that we care about you. Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you Father God, um, Lord, um, we just thank you that um, you save us from ourselves and you save us from our desires. Um, And God, we know that when we have more of you, it means less of us. And that is so, so much better (laughs) than life on our own and uh, trying to do our way of living. Um, God, when we trust in you, uh, and the more faith we put in you, the more we see you work, and the more we see you in us, in our life. So God, we just pray that you would just continue to mold us and shape us. Uh, help us not to have any distractions or um, get caught up in things that are going on around us, Lord. But let us just focus on you uh, to hear from you tonight um, and learn more about you and draw closer to you in your mighty name. We pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 All
1: right.
0: My lesson is not pulling up my phone, so. We are going to just bushwhack our way through this, all right? Um, so there's not going to be any uh, official points because our slides are messed up. My uh, lesson isn't pulling up on my phone. Um, um, write down notes that speak out to you, all right? So you can use the Bible app. It's up to you. No, I'm just going to use my Bible like a person. Um, whatever. we
1: have to write down you can write
0: down whatever speaks to you, buddy. Um, all right. So, real quick. Um, does anybody – listen, t- 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 Ken. Does anybody know um, what a, m- a major and minor profit are? Does anybody know? No. Cool. Um, just raise your hand if you know what they are for sure. Like you can explain it to me right now. Three of you guys. All right. Carson, tell me what it is. I
1: don't know if this
0: Not Aww. in terms of not in terms no, of money. Bro, really? Richard, tell me.
1: The major prophets were the people like Isaiah and Jeremiah, oh, those are the kind of people that told a lot and when you read their books they're very long because they give a lot of scriptural information. Mm-hmm. And the minor prophets were the small people like Jonah and Joel, in which they do give some information, but it's not a whole lot, which is why there's more minor prophets than major prophets. Yes, And
0: Habakkuk is one of those as well Habakkuk, whatever you want to say Habakkuk So just to give you guys perspective There are five books in the Old Testament and From four different prophets And they are technically known as the major prophets um, They're known as major because they are longer They, like Richard said Give a lot more context And a lot more lengthy prophecies And they talk about a lot of different things um, Minor prophets are very short Some of them are literally only one chapter Um, Some are like 10 or 11 chapters um, and some are like five So it varies a lot in between all of them But there's a lot of minor prophets technically there's 12 minor prophets and there's technically five major prophetic books, but really they were only written by four prophets Um, and that's um, Isaiah Jeremiah Ezekiel and Daniel um, so those are, those, those are the four major prophets, but they wrote Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Daniel. Um, yeah, right? Is that right? Isaiah? Yeah. Oh, and Ezekiel. Sorry, I forgot Ezekiel in that. So those are the five books, um, but those are the four prophets, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel. Um, but today we're actually going to be looking at one of the minor prophets, which, as Isaac rightly pointed out, is ha- Habakkuk. Um, yes Habakkuk So to give you guys perspective Habakkuk is only three chapters long um, So we're going to be studying Like just the book of Habakkuk For the next like few weeks Because um, it's really short But there's a lot in Habakkuk That's really really cool um, It also relates a lot well A lot to Thanksgiving Whenever we get to that time um, So A little bit of background um, We don't Because we don't know a lot about minor prophets um, We kind of have to just Piece things together and hope we can figure out some stuff about them um, But given how short they are they usually don't give much context of who they are where they came from What time frame it was written in or d- who's d- it's directly addressing um, But we can get clues from different bits and pieces of it to, be able to pick it up. So Habakkuk We don't know almost anything about we just know it says in verse 1 it says the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received That's it it's literally pretty basic. We don't know how old he is, don't know how long, and anything else like that. Um, but that's pretty what it is, Habakkuk. Um, so actually, uh, I'm actually going to have you guys all grab. If you don't have a Bible app on your phone, go grab a Bible from the back. And everyone's going to turn to Habakkuk. I should have done this one. Isaac, can you grab
1: me one? Isaac, can you grab me one? Isaac!
0: So also, for the people on the podcast, um, if you guys would like to grab your Bibles, um, because this is kind of a makeshift night. Um, we got a lot of Bibles in the back, and everybody... Um, Isaac's getting our our tech guy. I, Andrew's getting a Bible right now. All right, real quick, everybody, turn. So, if you split your Bible in half, approximately down the middle, uh, you should get to about Psalms or Proverbs. Um, so, go to the right of Proverbs. So, keep flipping pages. Um, so, you're going you're gonna pass Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, Lamentations. Uh, Wait, there is. I heard like three questions uh-huh. It's past Ezekiel It's after Daniel um, So if you get to Micah Go past Micah It's after Nahum
1: Yeah
0: Before we jump into it um, Habakkuk is like I said We don't know much about him um, But essentially it's kind of cool Because it's this dialogue between Habakkuk And he kind of Voices the, the, the side of the people um, And typically when you look at a lot of prophecies in the Bible Especially in the Old Testament Especially the major prophets um, Usually it's God speaking to the people about their action Telling them, hey, you guys aren't doing things right But the interesting thing about Habakkuk is it starts off the opposite It's the people that are living within the sinful society That start crying out to God And asking God, why isn't he intervening? What's going on? And God's saying you guys are doing this you need to change or else things are going to get worse and so Habakkuk kind of a different perspective as well so that's what we're going to start off with in the beginning this, right so the prophecy that Habakkuk prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received how long lord must I call for help but you do not listen I cry out to you violence but you do not save why do you make me look at injustice why do you tolerate wrongdoing destruction and violence are before me there is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. We'll, we'll stop there real quick. So it's pretty heavy. Like Habakkuk's like, gosh dang, a lot's wrong right now, Lord. Where's the justice? You're making me look at violence and you're, you're nowhere to be seen. Why are you not doing anything? Habakkuk's voicing the, the, the angst that the people that are living for God feel, they're in the the southern country of Judah more than likely, and Judah was the one country that started living for God because Israel split in two. There was the nation of Israel and then Judah. And this is like Bible history. It's a little bit of stuff, but it's kind of context. So, the, even in that time, in that southern country that used to be living for God, now they're not living for God anymore either. And there's just everything's going wrong. And the people that do live for god are wondering why isn't he doing something why isn't he making things right and why are the people that are supposed to be his people living this way that's where all this comes out of there's destruction there's strife that's why it talks about here therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails because the wicked hem in the righteous meaning they, they seal them in the people that are living righteously they're they're corralled in by everybody else around them Living wickedly, so they're not able to do what's right so that justice is perverted Meaning justice no longer is clear. It's not being acted out and and, um, Followed through on and so they're desiring for god's justice to be there And this is kind of what this prayer is and then this is a cool thing This is where a lot of the prophet the actual prophetic part of this comes through which is the lord's answer And he says look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed For I am going to do something in your days that even you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians. In some of your Bibles and other translations, I might say the Chaldeans. Uh, Yeah, but they're basically interchangeable names. And so that also speaks to the authorization and kind of when it was written. But let's just go back to it. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, to, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people, whose own strength is their god. Now, Habakkuk starts off being like, "God, there ain't no justice, and I don't know why you're not doing something about it." And God's like, "Hey, I'm gonna send these really evil people." That that's yeah. <laughs> that's like, yeah. So, but the thing is, he is crying out for justice. The righteous people in the land are crying out for justice. And if there's a wrong, it needs to be right, right? It needs to be corrected. And that correction typically is some kind of punishment, right? There's a payment that has to be uh, made, whether it's a fine that you pay with your own money, or whether that's going into jail and serving time, or even during Bible times, it might be taking the lashing. Or being stoned and sometimes even being killed for wrongdoings and so you look at okay what's the punishment that they deserve well in the law of God sin what's the payment for sin death there is no making up sin without the shedding of blood there's there has to be a death that is carried out to pay for the sins that are there Which is exactly why Christ died for us. He paid the death penalty for us that we had to pay. Not only paying for the death of us physically, but also spiritually. So that we wouldn't have to have life without God. That's the carrying over of God's justice is what Christ did on the cross. And so in this, looking at what what does the wickedness of the people deserve? Technically in God's law, it is death. It is a a swift punishment of correction that warns others that hey, God's justice is not to be trifled with He's not to be taken lightly So you might be like, okay, gosh dang what the heck it's kind of intense But the interesting thing is when you look at this when you We're not even going to go into the rest of chapter one because the rest of chapter one goes into the rest of next week's lesson We're only gonna look at these first 11 verses but it's interesting because the righteous people In the land and Habakkuk specifically When things were bad They turned to God They didn't lash out and try and take justice into their own hands They didn't try and do what was right in their own eyes Instead of trying to lash out and be angry and, And have violence or rebellion against the people around them And start just kicking people's butts who were living the wrong way They went to God and when we look at Habakkuk, we can always remember that, hey, things weren't good for them. I mean, have you guys ever, like, looked at the world and just thought, like, man, things aren't good? There was, I mean, just ra- raise your hands. Just, it's just, I mean, it, it seems, when we look at the world a lot of times, especially nowadays, because you guys get flooded with news and information about anything and everything that's happening all over the world, and there's always something bad happening somewhere. And we hear about, about 10% of it, really. But compared to whenever your parents grew up or whenever my grandparents grew up those two separate generations they heard about a lot less but that doesn't mean things weren't going on but for us we feel like there's a lot going on and the world is an ugly place and it really is because it's tainted by sin and we hear about this and we're like do you guys ever just wonder like what the heck is god doing sometimes do you ever just wonder like where where god's at In the world whenever there's so much evil And that's a little bit of how Habakkuk and the people of Judah Were feeling at this time too And some of the people even in the nation of Israel Because We're in the world As Christians right We know what's right and we know what's wrong Because God calls us to righteousness But we're living in a sinful world That does not live or care about God And thus People don't live for others They live for themselves and we can wonder and ask, how long, Lord, must I cry for help, but you do not listen? Because God doesn't just fix every little thing for us all the time. He doesn't just swoop in at every time there's evil within the world. God has grace and forgiveness for the world. He doesn't just swipe someone off the earth just because they messed up right away.
1: <laughs>
0: he up. And the thing is, each and every one of us are just as much a sinner and just as much guilty as anybody else that we see that is doing a wrong in the world but we have Christ to forgive us and we know what's better because Christ has forgiven us but the world doesn't and we see all the evil and we wonder what the heck what are people doing why isn't God stepping in why does God let this evil go on but It's important in that that we don't get bitter and angry at people or at God Because guess what the world that doesn't know Jesus doesn't know any better They're they're not aware of the full Comprehension of the real situation that they're in They're just living their life as they see fit because that's all that they know how to do It's the transformation of our minds and our hearts in Christ that sets us apart and makes us different to realize how evil and how fallen the world is. And even somebody who's not a Christian can see that the world's not perfect, right? (laughs) It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that things are really messed up. But the interesting thing is that when we turn to God, when we don't get angry at people for not knowing anything, and we actually turn to God to say, Hey, God, I just want you to do something about this. This is, there's this situation in my life, or this, there's a situation that someone's done to me, or I've heard about someone doing something. And we can bring it to God and put it in God's hands. And that's exactly what Habakkuk does, and what the people that are living righteously do. They're crying out to God and putting the situation in His hands. They're saying, God, we're, we're asking for your intervention. We're asking for you to fix the situation. We're asking that you would be the one that enters in and makes things right. Because justice is no longer around us. But we know you are the God of justice. And we want you to intervene and do something. So we can learn that in all these things we need to go to God, right? We have to go to God even when things are bad and even when we're confused and frustrated by the things around us. Because it doesn't always make sense, but we know That when we go to God, that's the safest place we can go. And that's the safest place we can put things that we want fixed. And we put that in there by praying, talking to God. I believe it's um, 1 Peter 3.15, if I'm not mistaken, but it talks about... um, uh, Cast all your anxieties on God, for He cares for you. If we cast... All of our anxieties on him, our worries, that also means things that we're scared of, things that freak us out and things that we're confused by. All those things that we see in the world that are, that seem to be wrong, let's cast it on him, not carry it ourselves. Because if we are carrying the burden of all the wrongs that we see in the world, it's going to weigh us down and we're going to be real depressed. <laughs> but God gives us peace when he cast it on him and go to him in prayer. When you see the wrongs in the world. Now, God does answer Habakkuk. He says, hey, you're praying about this. People want this. And here's my solution. Now, do you think Habakkuk was super pleased with God's response to him? No. No. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that response next week. But it does point out something that I think is important for us to realize as well. That when we go to God, which is what we should do whenever we have things in our mind, things in our hearts, when we go to God, we also have to remember that God is not always going to give us what we want, but He is going to give us what we need. Alright? The Bible doesn't say that God just gives you everything that you're wanting in life. But when we go to God and we have our hearts and our minds seeking after God and His Word and His desires, that's whenever we see God move and give things to us And guess what When God gives us those things It's always going to be something for our benefit But it may not be something we always want <laughs> So think about it this way um, Let's see um, Andrew, you ever biked from Camby to uh, Oregon City before?
1: Not directly, no. no
0: How long of a bike ride do you think it is? It would be a long bike ride.
1: Yeah. Just like into Oregon City in general? Yeah. Um, Miles-wise or time?
0: Let's go miles. Let's do that.
1: Um, Two miles. Maybe... It's longer
0: eight, than that. Eight. Yeah, eight-ish miles. And you raced eight miles on this past Saturday, correct? Yeah. How was that? Painful. Brutal. Uh-huh. So, Andrew and Sam, by the way, they had a... R- uh, race on Sunday, which is where I was at on Sunday, I was at the race it was awesome, um, but I'll tell you guys, um, after two miles of mountain biking, um, out in the dirt, those guys are dead. <laughs> I, had, uh, I saw one kid just literally just pass out and was crying. He was like literally just so tired and so exhausted. It was an intense race. It was awesome. Um, I don't know. Um, we'll talk about that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, but the. Thing is, we put that in perspective. If you look, come to me and say, hey Gabe, can I get a ride home after youth group and you live in Canby? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I got you, bro. And after youth group, I hand you a bike and say, here's your ride. Now, eight miles in the cold, rainy weather that we're in, in the dark by yourself is gonna suck. That does suck. And it does suck. And, but guess what? You ask for a ride and you got one. But it wasn't the ride that you wanted. And you might be like, dude, what the heck, Gabe? You could have done this a lot easier. You could have just given me a ride in your car. What are you doing? Well, yeah. But guess what? You give me a ride in your car? But you asked for a ride. And I gave you the ride. Just not in the way that you wanted. And it's similar as we read here in Habakkuk. The people are asking for the, the wrongs to be made right. And God said, hey, I'm going to make the wrongs right. But I'm going to do it using a way that you probably aren't going to enjoy. And the thing is, God has a reason for that. Because guess what? If I gave you a bike to take home and you got that bike, now not only do you have a ride home for that night, but you have a ride everywhere else you need. You can use that bike as much as you need. You can take it wherever you want because it's yours. It may have not been preferable in the situation, But the end result later on is actually going to benefit you more than what you thought. It may be hard initially because it might not be what you expected or what you even were asking for directly. But God doesn't give us what we want but what we need. And the people as a country needed correction. And for us, when we're going to God and we're praying and asking Him about stuff, we have to remember that God's not always going to give us what we need or not what we want but what we need and what's best for us and our faith because it's important you guys understand this and remember this is that god cares more about our righteousness and us living for him than he cares about our comfort god would rather have us be uncomfortable and live righteously than live the most comfortable life and live in sin Because guess what? Sin leads to separation from God. It leads to a life without Christ being involved. And if I could give up all that I have in order to have just a little bit more Jesus in my life, then I would. If I could give up everything in the world and just have my salvation in Christ, I would. And that's what Christ is talking about when he's saying to die to our old selves. It's hard. We, we say, God, I want you to fix things in my life. I do things that I don't want to do, or I struggle with this, or I don't, even, I don't even know what it means to have a relationship with you, but I want that. And Christ says, cool. Give up the world. Give up your desires. Give up who you thought you wanted to be. And put your life in my hands. And that's what Christ calls us to do when we put our faith in him. It's giving up who we are and taking up the mantle of Christ and living for him and not for us. And that's hard. But guess what? That's what we asked for. We wanted salvation. We wanted to be free from our sins and our own desires. And it's not necessarily what we always want, but it is what we need. And the God of the Old Testament is the same God as today. The people were asking for salvation, a restoring of their people and restoring of their lives, restoring of justice. And God sent and we said he was going to send at this point when we're reading it. He's going I'm going to send these evil people to go do that for you. But in the end it brought about something so much better because then the people realized the error of their ways. They realized how great their sins were in the eyes of the Lord. And eventually it brought them to a place of humility and dependence on God, that they didn't realize they didn't have. So for us, we have to remember, we need to rely on God. We have to have to rely on Him, even when things are bad, even when things are confusing. And we have to really put everything on Him, and not hold on to everything for us. Because if we hold on to it, we're not going to do very much with it. probably not going to do anything beneficial if we do anything at all. But when we do, we have to remember that God gives us what we need and not what we want. And sometimes when you go to God, it's going to be challenging what He gives you back. But it's better to be challenged by God with what He gives you than to never go to Him at all. And we have to be ready and able to like say, alright God, I'm yours. I'm going to do what you want. Perfect example of this, by the way. Let's say you guys enter into a relationship with somebody. You know what? You're like, God, I want you to be a part of my relationship. I want you to be a part of this relationship that I have with this boy or this girl. And then a few weeks later, you guys break up and you're praying a lot about it and you really wanted God to be a part of it. And you're like, what the heck, God? I prayed about this. I wanted it to work. And guess what God gave you? Separation. Did you want that? No. But maybe God's telling you, you don't need to be in that relationship. You don't need to be with that person. Or maybe you have an issue with your friends or your family. Something else going on. Something that's going wrong. Someone's done something that hurts you. Pray about it. It might not be what you want. You might have to be the person that says sorry to that other person. (laughs) You might have to be the one that goes to them instead of them coming to you even though they're the ones who did something to you. But God challenges us to do what we need and not what we want. But we can never forget that we still need to go to Him because He's the one who has all the power and He's the one who has all the control. Cool? Alright, let's pray. Father God, um, I just thank you, Lord, that um, even though we don't have a lesson plan to go off of and um, slides to write down or points to remember, um, God, you still teach us. uh, You still speak to us. And Lord, you remind us that at the end of the day, uh, we have you, and that's all we need. Uh, God, we can try and do things our own way and do things in our own power, just like the Babylonians, but at the end of the day, that's not going to lead to life. We have to put our life in your hands and put our faith in you and our trust in you. Remembering that you're the one who's in control. You're greater than anything and everything this world can face, uh, can throw at us, Lord. And, um, I just pray that we would not hesitate to run to you, um, in times of need, in times of joy, in times of sorrow, in times of mourning, in times of excitement, um, in times of celebration, God, because you care about it all. Even the smallest details of our life, you care about it. And God, we, when we go to you, you're faithful to guide us to what we need and what's going to help us in our faith to depend more on you. And if there's things in our life that aren't helping us in our faith, God, just get rid of those things for us, Lord, please. If there's things that are holding us down in our faith and holding us back from you, Let us get rid of those things today. For some of us, if we don't already have a relationship with you, Jesus, I pray that we would not hesitate to do that. That we would admit that we're a sinner, God. That we need you. We don't have any hope without you. But you died for us, Lord, so that we can have hope, not only for this life, but for all eternity with you, Jesus. We just thank you dying on the cross and rising again for us so that we can always turn to you and we can always glorify you and we can have life with you forever. It's in your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.